from Music for All and presented by Yamaha. It's Mind the Gap, a practical web series for young and future music educators. Tonight on the program, from Birmingham, Alabama, James Crum. From Dallas, Georgia, Gary Markham. From Largo, Florida, Janine Reynolds. Tonight's conversation moderated by Susan Smith and David Starnes. Please welcome Susan Smith and David Starnes. Bridging the Gap which is, uh, or, or minding the gap, is, is, is meant for young teachers or new teachers who maybe were interrupted in their spring semester through the pandemic and, and skills that we felt like as an educational team might be necessary for young teachers and, and as mentors. As I said, my name is Susan Smith and I'm one of a team of educational consultants that work for Music for All and help guide their vision and, and where the organization heads in terms of education. I am currently the, the, a lecturer in music education at Troy University. I uh, previously was a past president of the Alabama Music Educators and have taught at every level and everything from choir, band, general music, orchestra, and guitar. So um, this is something that's near and dear to my heart and we're really excited to have you with us this evening. Moderating with me will be David Starnes and I'll have him introduce himself as well. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us uh, for what we believe is one of the most uh, educational um, opportunities you could ever probably be a part of as a young teacher. Um, I currently serve as the director of athletic bands at Western Carolina University. Uh, before that, I was the director of bands uh, at Kennesaw Mountain High School uh, in Kennesaw, Georgia. And, you know, one of the things um, having taught, as Susan does, at, at every single level, elementary, middle, high, and now the collegiate level, um, I monitor and, and also uh, do a lot of student teaching observations. And uh, I, I watch student teachers uh, panic this spring uh, when everything ended in March. Uh, and they continue to panic to be prepared for what they may be going into this fall with a couple of months that they actually miss. So we're honored uh, to be a part of this, to help present this. Uh, believe it's very, uh, very needed, and uh, we hope you guys will really enjoy this. Um, I'm going to turn this over to our three guest panelists uh, to introduce themselves, and then we'll get rolling with the program. And as on my screen to my right is Gene Reynolds. So I'm just going to start with you, Gene. So if you'll take off, thank you for being here tonight. Great. Thanks so much for the invitation and good evening to everyone. I'm delighted to be here. My name is Jean Reynolds and I supervise music, theater and dance for Pinellas County Schools, which is in Florida on the West Coast. It's uh, west of Tampa, runs in the south from St. Petersburg up to Tarpon Springs. And we've got have about 100,000 kids. So it keeps me busy. It's a great job. I, I love it. And I love working with teachers just like those of you who are getting ready to enter the profession. Um, I have a passion about advocacy and have served as the government relations chair for many years for the Florida Music Education Association. I'm a past president of that organization, as well as the Florida School Music Association. And I currently serve on the Music uh, Program Leaders Council for the National Association for Music Education. Delighted to be here. Thanks so much for the invitation. Thank you, Gene. Mr. James Crum, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you, David, and thank you, Susan, for having me a part of this panel. Um, my name is James Crum, as he said, and I am currently the fine arts consultant for the Birmingham City School System. Um, that I, I, I assist Dr. Mays, who is the coordinator in um, all of the fine arts, uh, including you know theater, band, choir. This is my third year um, serving as the fine arts consultant, beginning my third year, um, and this is a great panel because. Um, <laughs> 
there's a lot of things that we've been going through uh, right now and still going through, you know, and preparing for the fall. Um, I was band director for 18 years, uh, 13 at uh, Minor High School and five years at Carver. So um, I started in 2000. And of course, um, it's kind of non-traditional because um, uh, after going into the business sector, after graduating um, first time from university, of um, Alabama a University, I went back to school when I was uh, 27 to get my music ed degree, uh, to, to be in the thing that I was called to be in. And so I'm delighted to be here this evening to shed any kind of light on, of course, especially to our young, you know, upcoming directors, and then of course our young directors uh, to shed some light on their career. Thank you. Thank you, James. We appreciate you being here. And finally, Gary Markham, who is the Senior uh, Education Director for Music for All. Hi, everybody. I'm really, really happy to be here. I guess I'm the only one unemployed. <laughs> I was a band director for 25 years in uh, a couple different states. And then I became, I became a music supervisor for the Cobb County School District. And I did that for 20 years. And I've been retired about, I think, five or six. So if you count all that up, that's 50 some years as, uh, you know, in this business. And I spent all that time in the business because I love it. Um, I love helping teachers. And so I'm hoping this panel will be able to put, give you some insight about interviewing and those kinds of things. And hopefully, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. We're more than happy to help in any way we can. Thanks, Gary. You know, when Susan and I were putting this together with uh, the music education people at Music for All, uh, one of the things that, that we thought of is that every interview uh, will be a different experience, whether it be um, at, the, at the district level or at the local school level. So we hope you'll join us next week at the local school level. But tonight's really to focus on the district level. Um, you know, when you go to that, that music and arts uh, supervisor or whether it's the HR interview, you sometimes have to pass that one before you're even um, into the local school. Um, and so we wanted to tier this in a couple of different ways. So I'm going to post this out there to the panel and I'm going to let you guys run with it. But as you interview young teachers, um, think of a couple of things that you could share with our um, attendees that you look for, whether it's cognitive or whether it's pedagogical or the things that you're um, getting feedback from them in the interview um, and how you kind of steer an interview. I think that might be a really interesting take on uh, the interview process and what, you, what you're what you looking for and what red flags go up for you. So any of you guys want to jump in, That's I'd love to hear your, your feedback. Well, first, I would like to say that there, needs, uh, the, there are some prerequisites before you even go um, into the interview. Uh, one of the things that I look for is, it, have you done any research on the school system um, before you go out? Um, the school system, the local community, you need to know about the economics in, in, in the community, um, the history and the traditions of that, of that school system um, before you go in. And then also, if you can, research the, uh, the interviewer uh, so that you can know something about who are you going to interview with, uh, what they have contributed so that you can uh, let them know that you are aware of their uh, career and their successes. Uh, and uh, there was one interviewer that came in with me and I didn't know him, but he knew, he knew a lot about me. 
um, as far as, as my career. And then he was talking about his career and how he wanted to taper his career uh, starting off. So I would say before, we, before you even go, do some research before you go. Same thing as James. Absolutely do the research because it really tells a couple different things. One, it, it lets the interviewer know that you've taken the initiative to find out about the system or the school or what their needs are. And so I can't stress enough how important it is to do some research and some background before you even go to the interview. And as a way of uh, showing your initiative, at some point, make sure that the interviewer knows that you've actually done that. And then the other thing that I look for is, I really want to know how personable the uh, teacher's going to be. Can they interact with students? Do they love students? And will they, you know, do whatever they possibly can do to have a, the best experience possible? So, you know, the questions that I ask and the things that I want to know about are kind of embedded in the interview process to see really how um, personable and likable they may be. Because that's, you know, I think the teaching really has three skill aspects. It's, there's the content part. And so some questions would revolve around it, you know, the pedagogical stuff. Then the other, the, another part would be the strategies you would use, um, teaching strategies that is. And then I think one of the most important parts is can you deliver the material in such a way that students are gonna pay attention? You know, they're gonna love you and are they gonna, do it for uh, not only for the music, but for you as well. And so I, that's, those are the two things that I look at really most ex exclusively, uh, particularly initially. And I would agree with everything that's been said. Uh, a little different take maybe on the district interview. Certainly it's great to do research always. And I, I see it also that you're, I'm looking for a person that loves kids and can engage kids and has the musical skills. And candidly, a lot of times you... Um, I will just say my, I might screen that by a resume before you get there because I'm going to be able to know some things about you musically, just about your background. So what I want to see is, is how engaged you are. How are you, are you going to engage with kids right away? Are you going to um, bring the skills that we need? But the piece I wanted to say about the district, at least on, in my perspective in my district, and it may not be true of others, but I, I know it's true of some, the district interview is where you, you'll find out some things that you will have done your research, which is great advice, but I can pro provide more for you about the schools that you might be going to. And that's what the advantage you'd have before you get to the school interview. Um, and it's not that principals are going to lie to you, but candidly, they're not going to know some of the musical things. So they're going to tell you something that may or may not be true. And um, I just, one of the things that makes me so proud is when often teachers say, hey, Gene, you were the only person that told me what it was really going to be like. And I, because I think that's important because I think a job is a two-way street. You, I'm always trying to find young people find a fit. Is this a good fit for you? Oftentimes a young person will say this is the job they want, but that might not be a fit. And that's a two-way street. Um, you get to see if it's a fit for you, but use your district. If there's a district music or arts person, you can get a lot of information from them about the program. 
Fantastic. So as you bring up a resume, and that's kind of the first thing that people see, we hear different ideas about resumes, right? Whether a business resume, a one pager, what we're all looking for in terms of when that comes across your desk. So we thought that maybe that would be the next place that we would go. Um, what, you know, what would you want to see in a, in a resume or the things that red flag that you don't necessarily want to see? And, and if there should be a cover letter or even in smaller districts, James, where we teach, um, you know, maybe a, a letter of interest where it might not already be on the state website or on on people's radar but you heard through the the director chain that there might be an opening and should there be a letter of interest that goes to that principal um, would that be helpful so if uh, we can go in any order anybody wants to jump in on resume Jean we could start with you since you mentioned that and then kind of filter back through resumes are important um, for me and I'll talk about this later networking is very important to me um, if I know about you ahead of time I'm just going to be honest about that but a resume is important and you've heard all the basic things it has to be correct you know there's no typos have a bunch of people read it that is important uh, I like to see I like a resume that's going to pretty much give me a view of you pretty quickly because I'll just be candid, I'm not going to study it intently. I'm going to look quickly. Um, do, do you look like you have some experiences that are, that are close to this job? You may have to edit your resume for a job to highlight something a little bit more. The other thing I, I, won't, I don't want to see is a, a references available upon request. I want to see your references because I'm going to know some of these people, and that's important to me. Um, include include things that could quickly give me a snapshot of you. Like you're going to see this and, and what is that? You know, am I going to get a, a sense? So this person probably is looking for a middle school band job or this was a passion early on, something like that. As far as the, the cover letter, that's fine too. For me, not terribly long, well-written, get to, you know, get to the point. And this is one that is important. Make sure you proofread that because you're going you're gonna to take out the, you know, uh, you know, dear Mrs. Reynolds, and if it's if it's dear Mrs. Smith, I had a I had a great candidate just last week when I had a principal that was between two candidates, and one of the things that they didn't hire the candidate is because he had made that mistake somewhere. It had let put the wrong school, and you know it. It's again proofread, proofread. I say to my students, you know, all the time that it's not just about being done, it's about being right. And so right. checking those resumes and having somebody else read it, I think is, is really pretty if key. You, if you've looked at it a million times, you're going to read right over that. So just have somebody else look at it. Small details. Gary, did you have something to share? Yeah, I, I like pages and pages of resume to look at. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think the... You know, short one pager, I think, makes a lot of sense. More the highlights of your teaching experience and anything that relates directly to teaching. All the other things that you may have done in college that are not necessarily uh, teaching oriented are probably not necessary in a resume. And let's face it, the resume is what's going to get you to an interview. So you've got to kind of look at it like that. What's going to entice somebody to want to talk to me more. And so, you know, I think one page is probably plenty and all the stuff that relates directly to what your, your you know, what your job's going to be is probably the most important to have. Um, I advise people as far as um, 
cover letters are concerned is to try to, in the cover letter, mention specifically uh, some things that you notice about the school district or the school specifically, and that uh, it's, it's interesting to you and maybe even how you could help that particular situation. So the more of that information, uh, I think the better. Again, it ought to be short and succinct. And, and again, you're trying to get to an interview. So keep that in mind. The resume and the cover letter are vehicles to get to an interview. You know, the, the things that we really want students, I think, or, or young teachers to think about is that the skills that they learn, I, I think they forget that those are important in anything they do in college, whether that be in their service organization or their fraternity, the leadership possibilities, that's what administrators are looking for. You're looking for opportunities sometimes that they've been, we know they're going to come out as good musicians, but those, those uh, organizational skills or leadership skills or ability to work with other people, all of those things are very important. And we just, we kind of take them for granted as teachers. There are a lot of people that can't do what we do as teachers um, and, and, talking to people. James, you want to share a little bit with us about anything you've, you've seen or, or some examples? Yeah, well, well, just like, just like Jean said, that what you got to look at is that um, if you are not paying attention to your grammar, if you're not paying attention to the details, the small details in your resume, then that tells us, you know, while we're interviewing, or actually while we're reading it, is that this person here didn't even take the time to go back and proofread it. So, from the get-go, it's like, well, I, I don't know if this person here is responsible enough to be, you know, handling kids. Uh, and so you got to make sure you do that. And of course, <clears throat> like Gary said, you know, not, you know, not very, very long, but what you do want to do is you want to make sure, because the first thing I go to after I see where you, you know, got your credentials from college, the next thing I really go to is your experiences. Have you worked with kids before? Um, I, you know, I'm not saying that we wouldn't hire anybody that didn't, you know, didn't have an experience with kids. But if you um, if you went out to a high school band or middle school, you know, classroom and you've helped with sectionals, um, those th those are very important because then that lets us know that you've been in a classroom situation and you have worked with kids. And so you kind of have an experience of, of developing a rapport with kids. And then after that, when we see that on the interview, then I'm asking you about your experience in that setting and then that lets me you know that lets me know you know can this person here i think this person here would be a good fit at this school and so we'll call that principal and say hey you know this this person here is a fit because they work with a uh, at a middle school because they work with a lot of middle school kids before and so i'm like you know you already have that experience of doing that so um yeah just make sure but make sure you do pay attention to detail i've gotten some some um some uh, resumes that I'm like, well, you know, I've simply kind of passed that one and came back to it because it was so bland. It was not professional. And so um, those, you know, you tend to put it to the side and you come back, you come back to those because this person here did not take the time enough to present themselves professionally. So those are the people that we're looking for. Before those are phenomenal we, answers everywhere. Go ahead, Susan. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to follow up on the one resume thing before. I think we're going to head to a interview ideas. Someone asked a question about would you include non-musical teaching experience in a resume? Um, for me, and, and we'd love to hear what our panelists think as well, but, you know, it's not necessarily – sometimes we wouldn't always put uh, fast food joints that you worked at or experiences like that, but the one that the, our, 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 our person um, – 
included was about whether, you know, they're going to be teaching English in French school. I think any, and would you agree that any teaching experience is something that doesn't matter the, the area or genre, but it's something that they should include? Yeah, I, 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 I definitely agree because that's, um, um, that's somebody put down on their resume of them working at a library. So, you know, but then, of course, still they work with some kids. So it doesn't have to be just teaching, but, you know, any kind of um, experience that you have. Yeah, I think it's really important, especially earlier in your college careers, to make sure you put yourself in positions that will help you gain the experience you're going to need. Helping at sectionals at a local high school, whatever it takes. But I would try to make your opportunities good for you to, to gain that kind of experience so you're able to use that as a leverage uh, piece to get to an interview. And, and I've had many people say, you know, whether it's that you work with students in a camp setting or whatever, just working with students is important. And if we have any participants on the, the line tonight who are not immediately going to graduate, I'd like to say also to students, you are, you are already making your career if you're just a freshman or sophomore in college. All the things you do, you know, are, those are people you're going to build relationships with. People are going to talk about what you're doing. So, you know, you are part of the profession and we're thrilled to have you. It just, it starts early. So any of those experiences you can have are really helpful. One more thing on that, as, as, as Gary said, please, while you have the opportunity, go ahead and get that experience now. Jean mentioned that you know, it's about, you know, who you know, you know, it's about connections. And so if you're going out working with different schools in different school settings, um, I've hired at least um, within the past two years, we've hired at least about 10, uh, 10 college students who came out to summer camps, who came out and worked contests and different things because they got to know, we got to know them um, personally, and we got to see them interact um, with students. So I, I would very much encourage that you go out to your school systems, local school systems around your university and, volu and volunteer because that's how you're going to get your uh, experience. Great points. And, and one of the things I tell my students at the university too, uh, if they're in a remote area where they don't have that opportunity to go out and teach, they've got practicum experiences. When they go out and do their practicum throughout their entire junior and senior year, uh, and then talk about the student teaching experience. Talk about the interaction you had with students, the successes that you had, that you were responsible for a particular uh, part of the program while you were uh, student teaching. So those are, the, those are great jumping off points as well. So we've got the Q&A box, um, and, and this is really um, your uh, – the, the participants. Uh, it is your show tonight, and we want to make sure that we answer these. So I'm going to bring up a couple, um, which is going to actually jump us off into the actual interview. Now, we're, we're past the, the resume. You're in the door. You're looking at Gary or James or Gene. You're sweating bullets, and, and here you go. This is your first major interview. So um, one of the things uh, that James brought up was about uh, knowing the area and the district, uh, and this person asked, about what's a subtle way of talking about the socioeconomics of the district so they can gain more insight on the, um, the, the, the uh, diversity in the, in the district as well as what kind of student and clientele they might be looking at. So anybody want to take that one and run with that? Well, one real quick thing would be to look at the strategic plan. It's on it, practically any website. It'll point to specifics about what the district feels is important, and many times that's socioeconomic. 
And so if you can look at and get any information possible from, <clears throat> from that strategic plan, that'll, that'll really help. And then you can bring, you can actually bring the strategic plan up to your interviewer to let them know you've actually looked at it. Most people in the district probably don't. <laughs> and I think you can, um, I talk about this in interviews all the time. If it's socioeconomic information or ethnicity, most school districts are going to list that. Like for the whole district, you could go on our website. You'll be able to see the breakdown of students. They hide a little bit more on what's called Title I, which is often an indicator of uh, you know, socioeconomic. And in a district like mine, you may encounter this. I, I'm at all ends of it, very high end, and to the, the, the most poverty-stricken schools in the state. So it's a large district. So it's fine with me in a district interview. If you talked about that, chances are, if we're talking about schools, I'm going to be real upfront with you about that. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to ask you about your experiences, again, to see if it's that fit. Um, and that's when I've had candidates tell me later, gosh, you were the only person who was really honest about what this situation was going to be. Because there are so many different situations in this country. And, and I, think, I think you're very wise. It's a good question because there's all different teaching circumstances. I think it's important to actually do the research, though, and don't make assumptions by some of the numbers you see, because they may be misleading. So I would do the actual research on the specific school district and specific schools uh, to make sure you have your information accurate. That's a really good point. And the, the district and the school are maybe two different things, depending on the size of the district. If you're looking at one of the small independent districts, that's different than a large, a large district. And like Jean said, you know, Title I, you know, when you mentioned Title I, you know, that kind of gives you some kind of, you know, clue of, you know, the economic situation. Um, and the reason I mentioned that, because if I'm going into an interview, or I want to, you know, go on an interview for a certain school district, and um, I student taught, and I'm just, yeah, I student taught at, um, at a school that, you know, the social economic situation is really, really well. Um, and we, what we call over the mountain schools. I'm just, this is what we call it, you know, over the mountain schools. And so you student taught at the over mountain schools, and then now you're gonna go and interview for an inner city school. You need to know that that is a big, is a big difference in economic situation, because I know that um, in inner city schools, I know the kids are not going to be able to afford private lessons. Okay. Whereas if I'm an over mountain school, they, they, you know, it's sometimes required for them to uh, get private lessons. Um, I, I need to know that because if I don't know these things, I get into a teaching situation and it gets frustrating because I don't have the economic resources that I thought I would have to build this great program that I want to build. So before you go in there, if you know that this is the economic situation here as far as the inner city school, then now I can pool different resources. I know I have to do grants. I know, you know, there are certain things that I know that I'm going to have to do um, before I go into there instead of me going in there blindly and getting frustrated and then, you know, spend my career jumping from one school system to another. Yeah, it's important that you have some solutions. And uh, if you don't just assume it's a particular way, but if it is, then have some solutions in the back of your mind that you can use or utilize or explain that will be helpful in the situation. 
Great points, everybody. Um, so I'd like to I'd like to do kind of a um, a mock uh, interview um, with them actually watching what what you are are observing, uh, and I'm going to kind of I'm going to lead you guys these questions, um, panelists, just so you can kind of get to reflect on this. But what is what are some of the triggers that you pick up in an interview uh, regarding body language? Uh, regarding the nonverbal communication that you're picking up from people, because sometimes that that can steer your questions. Actually, um, engagement of the person that's across the table from you. Um, how do you? What do you look for from a professionalism standpoint? If it's a young teacher, they've not really gone through this interview process, or they want to lead the conversation more of a social chat versus a pedagogical professional chat. So let's go down that that rabbit hole just so we can see what you you would you would recommend to people. What I would do uh, there's a couple of things you've asked a, f- a few things I want to unpack them on the the body language kinds of those kinds of pieces. First of all I want to reassure many people on this call I will understand that you're going to be nervous. Like that that's that's fine. So there's a couple of things that you can do to calm yourself down, make sure you leave yourself plenty of time to get there, you're not hurrying, do all the things that you can do to, to, to make it easiest on you. The other thing, um, and this may come later, but you can be pretty sure the first question will be something about yourself so you can calm yourself down again on that. You can practice that. You could have a mirror so that you, you get comfortable. My my particular thing is just because it's the season of interviewing is um, knowing how to give enough information on a question. Um, so it's not too short, but it's also not too long. I mean, one, one of the things lately, like you, you would just watch me if I'm going, uh-huh, okay. And I start pushing back. It's like my body language. If you are not, I can't tell you it's on a phone interview, I would understand you're not getting it, but I've done video ones the past few days that uh, last week that I, I, I couldn't even interrupt the candidate. So, and I, I assumed it was nerves, but try to, try to watch the person that's interviewing you that will give you clues when you're having a hard time finishing a question, like we'll move, move on. I, my uh, approach at the district level is I have some questions, so you will know that I'm going to be asking questions but unlike a school panel interview, which it sounds like you'll be handling next week, I'm going to probe. You know, I'm not going to stop at the question if there's something else that I need to ask you. So listen. Um, my other advice in an interview is it's fine to have a piece of paper or something if you're nervous and you want to jot down notes if you can't remember the question. All of that says to me that you are paying attention and that you're, you're interested in doing this. So... It, it, I, and the, the last honest piece I'm going to give you, because it was interesting that you've asked about body language, this is self-reflection on my part. There's a human nature about making a judgment quickly, and I'm aware of it in myself. It comes very quickly. It's like a, a minute, 90 seconds. And I, I always have to say, put that behind you, Gene. Let's just keep going. But th- those, that first, hi, nice to meet you, you know, all of that is important. Uh, smile. Also, we didn't even get into how you dress, but that all of that stuff is important. Have somebody look at that interview outfit. Um, that says to me that you were, you know, you're interested. So there's so many things on on this piece. Be prepared. Um, be ready to put your best foot forward, and understand we know you're nervous. That's okay. 
Tina, I, before we leave that, I think that's a really good point because I, I didn't even address the entire part of it. But when I've done mock interviews or when I interview student leadership candidates in my program, uh, that's one of the first things I tell them that you, you come in with a cover letter, a resume and professional dress. It's amazing what some people think is professional dress and what others don't. Can you identify, and maybe we just go there, because I think that would be a great point that you've brought, brought up. Well, we do a, a thing in, the, in Florida, all the supervisors, when we talk to our collegiates. You know, it, it, it is a fairly, I, say, I hate to say it, fairly conservative outfit. If uh, young ladies, it could be pants or, or a dress. There's, there's nothing that looks like you'd be going out in the evening. Um, you don't need to spend a fortune. I, it, it's always okay to be a little over if you're going to have a, a tie or a jacket or something. What that's saying is this, this interview is important to me. I thought about this. I would have a respected teacher or somebody, if you have to just send a picture, would, would this be appropriate? Because I've had people come in, not a lot, but over the years where it's like, oh my goodness, you know, what were they thinking? That's the easiest piece, you know, dress well, get there early find a place to calm yourself down. All of those pieces are important. I mean, I've had, I've had a gentleman colleague in another district who said he has been so uncomfortable with some young women's attire that he didn't know where to look in an interview. So, I mean, you don't, you don't want to do that to someone. You want to have, just have a, again, it's like your resume. Have somebody look, look at this outfit. Gary or James, do you want to talk about body language or nonverbal triggers that you see? I want them to act comfortable around um, me at all times. And I get that they're going to be nervous, but I tried my very best always to make them feel comfortable so that they can relax and the interaction be um, as cordial as it possibly can be given the circumstance. So the body language part of it for me is important. I watch it. I mean, I'm not really, um, making decisions on body language, but it tells me a lot about their demeanor. And it will tell me a lot about what they will look like, act like in front of a class. And so that part of it is important from that standpoint. One of the body languages that all of us on the panel, I can see all of us doing, and it seems like we are engaged okay, and we are interested. And as you can see, we're doing this. We're kind of nodding our heads, you know, and agreeing with what they're saying. That lets that interviewer know that you are paying attention. That's one body language, you know, after they mention it, okay. And you want to be engaged um, anyway, because you want to make sure that if they said anything that you need to kind of, you know, reiterate on, you know, later on to answer a question, you know, that you picked up on that. But um, also just, I mean, posture is, is, is very important also. I mean, if you slouch back, and, you know, like this, again, as Gary said, I mean, as Gene said, it's not, it's, you don't think that this is important, you know, so you, you got to make sure that you're sitting up straight. And my thing is, I used to tell, I told one, um, one ed class, I said, listen, um, interview as if you were interviewing, you know, in front of, a, you know, a dignitary, um, you know, you, that's how you got to go. I would rather you to overdo it than to underdo it. And so I think that's very important that you've got to make that person feel that, this is important how you present yourself in your body language. This is important, and they will take 
I want to just add one thing. Gary, Gary said something so important, and I can, it may not be at all district interviews, but that is what we will do. I'll have questions, but it will be more conversational. I want to get to know you and, and, as he said, make you feel as comfortable as possible. And I bring that up because that may be different from a school interview. And so use that district interview to, because we're going to get to see you when you're, what we're hopefully trying to make you feel more comfortable. I mean, some of the time, that's how we'll get additional information about you. Some good, some scary, but I mean, that's, we want to make you comfortable. And when you get to some school interviews, it's going to be a little bit more formal. There's not going to be follow-up. So use, use the district to, uh, to learn, like I said, learn about us or, or whatever. Yeah, and you should probably be aware that if it's a big school district and there's lots of jobs, part of the process that the supervisor or the people at the district level that would be interviewing are going to do is kind of screen you for schools. Uh, they're looking for specific characteristics, so they might ask questions to get at that. But what's important for you as the interviewer to realize is that district interviews are different than local school interviews. And so keep that in mind and know the kind of information that a district level person is gonna to wanna to know. Gene, you mentioned, um, because we have a question, um, Chip Wood actually asked this question, and I think it's incredibly valid. With, with uh, social distancing, there's not a lot of face-to-face -face interviews right now. Um, and we've all taught classes over the last three months on Zoom, and you see a lot of different approaches on the other side of the camera about interaction. Um, and students have gotten into that habit sometimes of, you know, they can sit in a chair and, you know, have lunch while they're, they're doing a Zoom meeting. Can you talk to us about the importance and the professionalism of a Zoom call that goes well with an interview and what you would recommend them not doing? What's funny you should say that about eating. One principal told me she was completely put off. She had talked to somebody before me that the, the person was just having lunch the whole time. She said, I know it shouldn't bother me, but it just made her crazy. So I, it's, it's similar. And, and I know it may sound silly, but I'm thinking about some of the people we recently hired that somebody was sitting, you know, thinking about as best you can in a setting, but dressing as though they had come to an interview. I mean, they were they were having an interview. They dressed as though they were at an interview. Um, they would make sure they had sent something in advance if it was a, a resume or things that we were looking at. And that has worked fairly well. It's also, um, sometimes I've been, I've done district interviews or screening, and then we've done the school ones where it is the round robin questions. And I'll tell you what some schools have done on that is they've turned off the cameras of the questioners, which I thought made it hard for the students because they're just talking, there is no head nodding. I mean, you're just looking at that camera. And I think you do have to just bring your A game to seeing that that camera is your, the person that you're talking to. Um, and the last thing I'm gonna do, then we're gonna move on uh, to the final segment of this, but can each of you give maybe a red flag example of a response that sends you down a, a, a rabbit hole, either positive or negatively, that you think students should avoid that topic. Just don't go there in an interview, how to keep it professional. Um, some things that you've encountered, we've all got those experiences that you said, I can't even believe we talked about this. Um, could you give them some advice on topics to avoid? Maybe it's a pet peeve of mine, but I want the focus of the interview for the interviewee 
to have the kids up front and the first thing on their mind. But if they're asking about salaries and uh, what's their office look like and all of the things that are extraneous, that ter- that's a turnoff for me. And so it just tells me that their head's in a different place about teaching kids. That's, I, that's probably not real scientific, but it's just kind of a pet peeve of mine. One of mine was um, on, on an interview, a couple of interviews where the, <laughs> where the interviewer was, was talking about, um, for instance, I'm, you know, I'm here for, I'm probably another year, you know, or two, and then I'm looking to, you know, relocate. I mean, those are things that, you know, red flags come up because we're not looking for, you know, short term employees. Now, that's your situation. That's your situation. However, um, you know, I don't want somebody to come in and interview me looking to just stay a couple of, you know, a year or two and, and then they're out of there. So I would, I would, you know, I would avoid, I would, I would avoid that. I wouldn't be dishonest, but I would really avoid that. And, and I just want to echo both of those comments. And Gary, specifically, my pet peeve is if you if if a candidate gets too far into either the financial stuff for themselves or even the program, if they want to get into the weeds about what the boosters, the treasure, you know, it's like right now. Let's just talk about your teaching. Yes, I'm going to answer some of that for you, but in a large district, things like salary and all that. If you want those questions, call HR. Like you can get all of that information from them and you can decide, because I understand you may have to make those financial decisions. We all get that, but it, that, that is my major pet peeve. And it is of principles too. If, if, all the, if all someone can talk about is, oh, what space or what do I have? And you know, it's, it's, it, the focus on students and what you're gonna do for students is always, is, that's gonna mean the most. The wonderful thing about having all of you in your positions that you've been in and and Gary, you mentor so many is that you have an idea of what's happening right now, kind of the hot topics and the things that are, 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 are guiding what decisions are being made at the, at the district level and also at the school level. So we'd like to kind of have you uh, talk about those a little bit. We did have one question from someone about, um, do you think virtual teaching experience and the future of music educators and talking about that in interviews is going to be important? So obviously in, in using instructional technology, we've gone from zero to 100 miles an hour here pretty quickly um, for in, in schools. Um, the idea of social emotional learning, which we know is, is, is on the mind of many uh, legislators as well. And then again, just preparing for what's going to happen in the fall. This, this group of student teachers and young teachers is going to be unlike any other, unprecedented, as we say, because they're going to have, to, you might start teaching kids you've never seen before online, um, and we have to be prepared for that. So maybe if, if you could each talk a little bit about each one of those and, and, and where you see, or, and if there's other topics that you think are going to be key, and then we're going to bring it back around because we have so many questions to answer um, from our, our, our participants, which is wonderful. So any, any hot topics you think for right now? I don't know if you have to get into the weeds about um, the technology piece of learning, but you ought to make sure that the interviewer knows that you know about it. Um, you don't have to get into the explanation of it all because you never know. Um, I suspect that after this COVID thing is over, teaching is going to change to the point where it's going to be very blended between technology and live teaching, both, because I think people have learned so much about it. And so the fact that the interviewer knows that you know, I think is important. 
And I think the other thing is to really make sure they know you care about kids. And as far as the social emotional part of it is concerned, because <clears throat> you're doing, you're not just teaching music, you're teaching children, you know, at all different levels. And so the more they can feel comfortable around you and the more they feel that they are important to you on a, you know, on a personal level, I think is, is absolutely critical and, most of the time, that'll help with the success part of it. I, I would just add to that that if you, especially if you did student teaching this this past semester, uh, we know that that things were different, and some some colleges literally pulled their interns out. They did not want them doing this, and and that's if that's the case. And I've interviewed some folks who talked who were successful when they talked about how else they they were engaged and did stuff with students. It's, it's always going to be about student engagement, whether it's through technology or it's in the classroom. And it will mean something to me to hear about um, that you know it was important to connect with students and these are the kinds of things we did. And, and should we have to be in the virtual uh, in, the, in the future? Here are some of the things I might do. It, as we said, it, you don't have to be in the weeds. You just have to be prepared. And um, prepared at looking at it differently. What would matter to me is if someone came in with, you know, I know I may not have my entire band, so, so I'm looking at some literature, and I have some ideas about some chamber groups, and I just know it's important for kids to be engaged. And I know it might not matter the piece that they're playing, but it is important that they're making music and they are some part of a connected community. You know, you, you have to speak to that. That, that is what's going on. And uh, when I get a chance to talk to pre-service teachers, I am in awe of you because you're going to take us to 2050. And we don't know what that looks like. But you have to be able to, to let me know that you're ready to do that. James, do you have anything to add? It's, it's, it's so important that um, you do um, you do know the latest technology um, because that's really, that's one of the questions now that we're adding to our interview questions is, is how familiar you, you are with uh, the different, the different systems um, because that right now we've got to, you know, do both. Uh, and so, and then they're anticipating, of course, whether you have to do this again. So you've got to be well-versed on that. So um, make, make sure you are. And most, most kids, most, most kids that are coming out of college now, they are, I mean, they're well-versed, well, more versed than, you know, than we are, we were, you know, with technology. Um, but that is important. And that is something that you want to probably kind of highlight, you know, um, when you're when you are presenting yourself, um, it, because then that is right now, that's really like an attention getter. Um, if you if you kind of highlight that, and so you want something for them to to light up, you know, light it up. Oh, you're talking about this? Well, I didn't know about that, and you know, and that kind of you know that kind of lets us know that you're into technology, and that that kind of grabs our attention as of now. <laughs> Before we jump to the questions, I think David will take us there, but I, I, I want to take advantage of the fact that we have music supervisors and to get a little bit of your thought on uh, away from the interviewing and towards um, many people are frustrated right now because they're going to have to not or not be able to teach their ensemble name um, and ways to teach to know what it is the subject we teach, that music is at the core of it. And if there aren't contests or ratings, um, are we still valid? I think that's what scares people is that if I can't have a band together, am I really a band director? Am I really a choir teacher? So many, any, any words of encouragement about what their curriculum should look like if we are online this year? Well, I think you can do band 
In fact, I got a, a video of a virtual band just yesterday morning from a friend of mine who had his entire wind ensemble on Zoom and they played a piece. So it's certainly possible. It's certainly not the same experience, but you may not have any other alternative except that. And so I think be prepared to do those kinds of things uh, and whatever's necessary. Um, alternating instrumentation is helpful. You know, whatever it takes to make it happen. Because in the end, it's the kid's experience uh, that you're trying to provide for. And that, that could be all virtual or it could be, you know, partial instrumentation. Whatever it is, you got to be prepared for it. And so, you know, thinking outside the box, so to speak, is probably the way to go. Awesome. Anything from anybody else about teaching music as opposed to teaching the ensemble name? Gene, do you have? I, I think you, you have, to, when, when we talk to people, I do a summer institute in Florida. And as we think about music education changing, sometimes that makes people really uncomfortable. But when they d dig deep, and I see this in interviews when I ask my first question, what mattered to you when you think back on your experience? It's, it's usually two, three things. It's the teacher. Oftentimes I hear it was, it was a person. It was the music that spoke to people's soul, and it was the community. It wasn't like this. And yes, there's some wonderful, this piece like changed your life, but it's those things. So you have to reframe. You may not get to do that piece, but you can do the music. You can be the teacher and you can create the, the culture. I know it's weird online, but I found with my grown up colleagues, like I had these meetings once a week and I think, okay, I don't really have anything to say this week, but they were like, oh no, no. Cause the community needed to come together. And remember, your kids need to come together. And, and best if they can do it making music. So you're going to have to figure that out. And, and the music may look different. I mean, that's, we're all working on that right now because my district may have allow some parents to choose a nine-week letting kids stay at home. Well, then your ensemble, some of them might not be there. So we're going to figure that out. It's about the music. It's about the teacher. It's about community. My first, my, well, my first um, experience with, you know, technology and the kids not being in school, I think uh, about three, four years ago when we had that, you know, bad snow and stuff in January and February and, uh, we, you know, you had the state contest and all that to go to. Well, I was using Skype to have my kids to come on and to uh, pass off. Uh, so this is and. And I, I learned a lot from that, uh, and the kids really, really liked it. Uh, going into going into um, the fall and even this past time, um, a lot of the teachers that um, I've spoken with, um, they came up with a lot of great things on teaching um, remotely. And some of them said it was a little bit even easier uh, to teach uh, the fundamentals uh, because then a lot of times you uh, they would spend time one on one with the students and giving them instructions and so it's 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 still going to be it's going to be different it's going to be different but you still can you know be an educator you know music educator even doing it remotely just like now you know you're learning a lot about interviews and things like now and it's a little bit better now because guess what you don't have to travel we don't have to travel we're all here together you know remotely online this would have been very tough to do <laughs> you know, if we hadn't had this type of technology. So um, be encouraged, you know, and then remember, 
that this is not gonna this is not gonna last always. Okay, so you know it's tough coming you know coming in, but it, but you're coming in on a tough part, and you're learning about this remote because, as they said, it's gonna change education. Period. So you're coming in at a good time at the change. You know, one of the things as we we wrap up here, and it's perfect timing, and as an interview too, as you wrap up an interview, a lot of people are asking the question. What are those questions that, you know, everybody should come to an interview with a question, at least one, but what are those questions that when they ask those questions of you, you feel like that interview has gone 360? You feel like very confident uh, with the, the whole process and the way they wrapped up and the, the maturity of that last question. What are some of those that you would recommend that you would like as an exit question from the candidate? one of the questions I love for them to ask is what, are, what are your expectations of me? And so, and by them telling you their expectations, it, it's letting them know that yes, and you are very serious about it. You want to know what we're expecting, because if you don't know what the, first of all, the district is expecting of you, then again, you even if you're hired, you're still spinning your wheels because you don't know the vision, you know, and that's one thing you're asking what their expectations are. What is your vision of um of the fine arts for this school system period you know because you want to show them that you are you want to be an intricate part of developing the students in the district and moving the district forward gary anything on that one i just want to commend james because i think that's perfect that's exactly what i want would want to hear what are the expectations of the person person that's being interviewed because they need to know that. Jean, anything on that? I was just, I mean, that's the question. I mean, that's the question you want to hear. And print, and or sometimes even if you just want to hear what are the expectations, that's, that just says it all. And I know so that so then a, a candidate knows what they'd be, what they'd be getting into. And, and when the candidate steps up and, 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 and shakes hands or however we're going to fist pump or whatever we're going to do to socially distance at the end of an interview nowadays, um, what, what, is, what, what should they leave you with in terms of, of verbal, uh, the, very, the very last thing before they walk out of your office? What's a perfect way to sign off a perfect interview? I don't, I don't know if I have a perfect, I mean, it's, it's thank you and a, a smile. What I do want to get to is be politely persistent after that, um, especially if you're doing a screening interview in the spring and before there's a lot. I, you are never going to bother me it, every couple, two or three weeks. Hey, Jean, anything come up? You know, uh, that's one thing we haven't handled tonight. And the other thing is be respectful and uh, a professional to everyone with whom you interact. Don't be calling my secretary and yelling at her and think that's not gonna get back to me. Or when you're on a campus, I mean, be that person, be who you are, you know, be respectful, be professional, uh, and I'm okay with you being politely persistent. Is it appropriate for them to say, will I hear from you soon? Sure. I mean, we usually at the end of an interview, I'll just, you know, if I know I'm screening, as Gary said, for two or three jobs, I'll say, if you don't hear from the principal in a couple, you know, in a week or whatever, give me a shout. I'll, we'll usually make a plan to get back in touch. Or quite frankly, if it's somebody that I don't think is a fit for the district, then, you know, usually you just thank them and say, you know, if something comes up, let them know. Yeah, I think the most important thing is to be truthful with them. 
you know, right. don't lead them on, you know, be very frank about what the, the scenario is. So they can either move on or move to another district or whatever they need to do. Uh, but don't unfairly lead them lead on. Lead them on. And, and the same token, I've been very pleased and appreciative of candidates. If I have a candidate that I really am interested in, I often will say to them, okay, so where else are you interviewing? And I always appreciate that they're honest. And then, because we all need that honesty. Hey, Gene, I'm looking at this, this job in Orange County. It's my, it's my first choice. That helps all of us. You know, we all know and I want you to. I want you to get a job where you're going to feel the best. That 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 makes that's best for all of us. So that's a very good point. So I'll try not to lead you on, and vice versa. If if you're just interviewing, is it like a backup? I kind of like to know that too. And that's stuff that would not come out at a school interview. That's the kind of stuff I can find out at a district. James, anything on that one? Uh, yeah, it's just it's. Um, uh, some of us are telling me that they're appreciative. You know, thank you for the opportunity, you know, which is, you know, I'm like, you know, that's great, you know, to use, but there's not like a perfect phrase or anything to kind of, you know, to kind of say the end of in an interview. Um, but as you guys said, it, please be, you know, please be honest. Um, we've had some uh, candidates that have said that they, they are available for hire um, and we've called and they still not been hired anyway. We'll call and, you know, they won't answer and then, or they would call and then they'll say, you know, now nah, I changed my mind. And so now what does that do? Again, as she said, we know, you know, this is a, this is, although we're large, but it's still a small group. Um, and so you go to another school district. Hey, did you hear, you know, you know about this person they interviewed with you? Yeah, they said they were available. They didn't show up. So you don't want to start your career right off, you know, with, you know, with, with a stereotype that, you know, um, you know, the stigma of you, you really are not honest um, because that's what it boils down to. But we would really want you to be honest. If I call you, say, hey, I accepted another job somewhere else. You know, that's great. If you come back to our system to interview again, I will respect, you know, that you did, you know, allow, you know, tell me that, you know, you were hired somewhere else. However, there have some candidates have come back, you know, a year or two later. And we kind of remember that, <laughs> you know, because that's you kind of put, yeah, you, 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 you put yeah, yeah, because you put a school system really in a bind, and that principal now is calling me and say, "Hey, I thought you had, you know, a person to come over here to interview, you know, and you know, now you left us in a bind. Now we've got to start this whole thing over, you know, again on the district level because they have to come through us first before we send them out to screen them first before they go out to another school. So just make sure that you're honest. Yeah, it's important that you realize that it's a small world, the music world. We all know each other and share information and all that. So uh, be, you know, be very honest in your interaction with the people you interview with and also uh, realize this might not be your last one, that you may have others, probably will have others. And so, you know, keep all that in mind. Don't burn your bridge. No, I was just going to say, don't burn bridges. Um, I didn't share earlier that my two daughters are both music educators. One's choir, one's band. And the oldest said to me, I wish somebody told me in college that I was working on my brand. 
that I was working on my marketing. And I think that that's one of the things that we can all be taking away from this, that we're constantly working on our brand and marketing of ourselves. We have so enjoyed this this evening. We didn't get to some questions, but we are going to answer those um, at the beginning of next week as well. We'll ask our panelists to help us with those. Um, and we will have uh, several different people. David, do you want to tell us about, you have two panelists and I have one. Sure. And, and next week, um, just like you're leaving the district interview tonight, you want that invitation to go out to a local school. So now we're taking you to the local school virtually. That's, that's the next step in this. And um, we have uh, set up um, an opportunity to meet with a middle school and a high school principal next week, um, as well as a middle school and a high school band director next week. Um, and you'll be meeting um, Melissa Gustafson Hines. Um, she will be uh, the high school uh, band director uh, that will be involved. And uh, Mr. Ch uh, Dr. Charles Jackson, um, who will, who's a middle school um, band director, but also a college professor at Kennesaw State University now. Um, and his job is student teachers year round. And so uh, I think that the, the the, the, having the, the middle school and the high school band director to say, hey, now you got to get ready because this is, this is go time. You're in the school and this is what you can bring to the actual program. Susan's going to tell you about the, the principals that we have lined up. Yeah, we have um, several coming. Um, uh, middle school principal from the Atlanta area, Dr. Broadhead, will be with us from Fayetteville, Georgia, and also um, Gabe Musella, who is a former band director and now is working with UIL in Texas, is the, one of the vice presidents of, of, the, of UIL, and it helps kind of forge that. So we're very excited about the, the in-school or on-site interview process. And David and I are both available through Music for All and also th even through our Facebooks. We'd love to answer more questions for you. This is what we envision to help students and young teacher teachers know where they can go for questions and answers um, from mentors because everybody wants you to be successful in what you do as a teacher. Your administrators, fellow teachers, your colleagues, and the people that are on our panel tonight. So we would like to, to thank all of you for spending this time with us. Gary, James, and Jean, thank you for taking your time. David really spearheaded all of this and kind of brought us all together and, and pushed forward with Music For All. Um, and and we've, we've all gained so much from Music For All. They, they really do um, guide what it is that we all do in every day. So don't, don't hesitate to come to us for more things that you need as teachers. David, do you have anything for us as we leave? I'm just so thrilled to see the number of people that are out here. And, and if you guys can go back and uh, invite your friends, uh, this is going to be a two, three, four month long series uh, that we're going to get into all kinds of uh, curriculum stuff. We're going to get into how to choose literature, how to prepare a score, how to market yourself, the professionalism aspect, how to get a part of the community. It's going to be a long uh, three or four month series uh, that I think is going to take you to another level professionally. I don't know about you, but I, I wish I had this when I was first starting out as a teacher. Um, I burned my hand a lot of times on the iron and, and we're going to help you not to do that. So um, thank you for joining us tonight. Again, thank you to our panelists. Thank you to Music for All and the team that put this together. Uh, Maddie Fitzgerald, Haley Max, Cecily Yoakum. Uh, we're very instrumental in this. And uh, James Stevens, uh, who's been instrumental in making sure this whole thing happens. So thank you, everyone. We look forward to seeing you next uh, Tuesday night, uh, July 7th at 7 p.m. Good night.